like you can do all the like you can do all the lovely stuff like the meditations and the cacao and the sea swimming and the sunsets like you can do all that stuff which is lovely but if you're not being honest with yourself and showing up every day Boom. as in your raw truth it's not going to work it's not going to totally work because agree. Oh, hello and welcome to the Happy Pair Podcast. <laughs> hello and welcome and we're delighted to have you. Thanks, Mill, for joining us. We're Dave, Steve and Sarah. And Sarah. And yeah, this, uh, I guess in our podcast, we try to explore issues and have conversations which... Uh, Curiosities. Yeah, follow our curiosity. Well, that'll help you become happier, healthier, more connected. And us. Us, yeah, definitely. Not yeah. Us. Yeah, okay. I got, I get loads. Okay, I mean, this, we're this, quite this selfish. This is a selfish, yeah. selfish podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> But um, I was actually just thinking to myself the other day and um, as a mother soon to be, yes, I'm yes, pregnant. Sarah is pregnant. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny how you, you really suddenly like are aware of how other people are with kids and also just watching kids in general. And I have the, I'm very lucky, I'm very fortunate to be around both your kids a lot. And I'm not going to mention which kids it was. But I uh, experienced something recently when I was with one of you picking up two of your kids that I thought was so fascinating, where one of them teased the other one and the younger one became really what I could understand was just fully embarrassed. But it was amazing to watch her struggle with the emotion of embarrassment. So instead of, you know, you know, adults, you'd like to think and just say like, oh, I feel embarrassed. She kind of had that um pent up energy and just needed to get out and kept wanting to like bite and hit her sister in like kind of a playful way but also it was just like you know that feeling when you're embarrassed and you're just full of like oh I want to get it out like and she was like the perfect like um image of that and it was so interesting to watch because one of you not going to say who because I don't want to it's pretty clear who has two (laughs) sisters two daughters two daughters well you just did this amazing thing where I saw you just kind of like right come here and you just grab her and you're like we're gonna box and you just gave her some boxing gloves and she just got all that energy out I thought it was so amazing to watch because I was thinking to myself like I suppose what do you do like do you do you sit the person or the girl down and you say like um you know what you're feeling is this emotion or do you you know do you channel like I thought what you did was so good because you got her to just get it out but it's uh, yes yeah, so I want to ask you both what do you do in moments and how do you process when you notice that your child is experiencing an emotion that they can't identify with yet but you as an adult know what it is and yeah how do you how do you approach that I definitely noticed it um in the past with one of my children that they um they tended to bottle things and they felt it in their body but they couldn't really verbalize it so we ended up getting boxing gloves because I knew it was like boxing gloves and mitts and I knew it was such an important way to physically vent this emotion so we started doing it like anytime like I could see she'd get angry or get it was like let's get the boxing gloves and she'd go no I don't want it and then you'd go get them and then she'd just and then it'd just be gone like and it was amazing to actually see it and kind of like, even you were talking about it recently in terms of somatic kind of like, yeah, like that, that, you know, as humans, we have like, so often therapy can be verbalized, the stories, whereas Justina, that's my wife, went and did a course in somatic experience where it's nothing about the story. It's literally about the body expression. She talked about where they showed a clip of a polar bear where it was captured and where the 
for it to release the trauma of the capture, it literally went like into freeze. And then it suddenly started breathing and shaking for like a number of minutes, like convulting at this really. And it was like its body kind of almost like resetting. It was like turning off the computer because it had got, you know, stuck and you turn it off and it reboots. And this was the process of its rebooting. And similarly, I think, you know, so often, and this is me going theoretical, with with stress, we often, you know, oh, I got to think it through and how do I change it? Whereas like stress is designed for us to express it, to run. It needs to be expressed physically. And I think that's you getting, you know, your daughter uh, yes, to name. punch. Uh, but I, like I can just say in terms of my experience, I don't know, parenting is hard. Yeah, we definitely you know, know it's Like so- it's the greatest joy, greatest experience of love. And it's that like, you realize how ignorant, at least I realize how ignorant I am. Just as an example, uh, this morning, uh, Theo's just learning how to tie his shoelaces. I know he's nine and he should have learned before. Yes, bad parenting. Uh, but he was there at me, uh, Dad, you tie my shoelaces? And I was like, no, I'm not tying them for you. You got to learn to sit through the frustration. And it's only once you sit through that, that you'll actually make a breakthrough. And he's like, no, I don't want to do it. And I went over with Ned to get something in the shop and I came back. And then, then I was like, here, will I tie your shoelaces? Because no. And then he walked to, shoe, to school with his shoes, laces open and he wouldn't give me a kiss. So then I'd like all day I'd be going, fuck, I want to get back and collect Theo from school and apologize. I should have helped him or how could I, you know, it's parenting is like never ending. And in my, that's in my way. And that like, I don't know, you get it I wrong know, half the time. I know, but you're doing, not to blow smoke up your hole, but you're doing some pretty good work. Like I had May cleaning my car the other day. And she was the sweetest thing. She started uh, panicking to Shiv, our friend who was minding her, uh, being like, the car just, I can't get it clean enough. Like, I just I feel really bad. I can't get it clean enough. And she was like, that car is awful. It can never look clean. Like, I wouldn't worry <laughs> about it. But she's so sweet. She didn't want to take payment from us because she didn't think it was clean enough. And I was like, where did you come from? Take the money. <laughs> like, they're such wonderful kids. Yeah, like, about your, all your kids. Well, they can be melting their net mouth nice in front of other people. Like yeah. all I of us. Think, I think like I'm around them enough at this oh, day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I guess like all of us, you know, we could, you know, we tend to save our worst sides for those closest to us, which well, is the irony of life. Well, that, that, that's the people who, who we trust. You know, it's a safe space. Ultimately, that's where we share our worstness. Our, our worstness. Our, like the, the more less, you know, positive sides of ourselves, isn't it? Yeah. You know, those that we trust. And that's often, you know, you house out. devil, street angel. Yeah, you know, that's where that comes from. Totally but I do think it's amazing to see how, you know, even how adults can still have those emotions that kids have, but kids express it better because even like just getting it out and punching is well, better than. Well, it's it's probably the knowledge of, of myself knowing that like when I feel stressed, the best thing for me is to go for a run or jump yeah. in the seat or do yoga because that's how the energy just changes. Like the, the that intensity kind of just, it kind of almost dissipates. Dis- dissipates like it really does and uh that's why i realized like i'm an animal like i'm like a dog that like a, they say like dog trainers say that 90 percent of a dog's dad bad behavior comes from not getting exercised enough yeah and that's what i heard on a like from a dog trainer i think probably myself as i'm more dog energy like 90 percent of my bad behavior probably comes from not moving enough like <laughs> you know there's, there's some truth in it for me like and maybe someone else out there listening can, and you're like you you're, you're, you you come from me so you probably have the same issue <laughs> yeah mammal mammal energy yeah, yeah. well um, speaking of energy we uh okay this lovely... week we have a wonderful incredibly powerful guest yeah, Jen Healy. She's amazing. Um, Jen, I guess, has a, an incredible story of transformation. She definitely grew up with loads of hard 
the school of hard knocks, really, and just talks through like she's she's so open and vulnerable and such a voice for empowerment for everybody and particularly women. That's who she kind of really kind of she sees herself now as like being a voice for women and uh, yeah. to helping people find their like she's got an a, amazing, vast emotional bandwidth. And I think it really helps, as she said, come to one of my classes, lads, I'll crack you open. You know, like, you'd be, like, you be curled up in the ground crying. And like her story is just incredible. Like it really is. Um, I'm not even going to spoil any of it, but I think but you're she's, really she's so uh, like I have such admiration, such respect and such she, she's remarkable. Yeah, a wonderful, really. wonderful person. A transformation story like no other. Yes, exactly. genuine. Yeah, yeah. So one worthy of a movie. So uh, yeah, without further ado, we give you the wonderful Jen Healy. Enjoy. Okay, so we're sitting here drinking cacao with the great <laughs> Jen Healy. And this is lovely. We literally, this is our first time having a, a kind of makeshift cacao ceremony. Impromptu. Yeah. Um, yeah, the cacao is... Cacao is life at the minute, so enjoy. And especially, I, I love making bean to bar chocolate, so it's it's lovely to get to play. But I've typically been cynical at cacao ceremonies and kind of gone, oh, hot chocolate ceremonies and just kind of joking about Esoteric it. Esoteric or like, But really, I think it's a way of making time to put positive intention into an experience and, you know, really channeling your energy and intention into something, isn't it? Can I just add to it? But it's, uh, like, I, I can be so cynical too that it's like really, really And ruined. I copped that the day I met you and I mentioned cacao. I seen both your eyes rolling. So that's why I brought it today. Yeah, I sure think it's great. But I, I think it's brilliant. But I think so much of life, like as adults, we need to have excuses to hang out together. Like when I watch my kids, there's no, do you want to come and play? And they just play. Yeah. And then when they're finished, there's no, bye, see you again soon. It's just like, I'm going and they're gone. Whereas yeah. as adults, there's a lot more, oh, see you soon, all this type of thing. Whereas I think cacao gives an excuse for people or a ceremony to like sit down, talk about their intentions, to be ground, to really focus in on a moment and be really present. So I think it's a, it's, it is a wonderful tool to have a ceremony. Yeah. Is there any truth? There, there, yeah. But there's actually a huge, there's a lot more to it. Um, it's, it's extremely deeply healing. And going back to the trauma that we were talking about. Um, so I, I always say, like, when you go to the doctor and you get a prescription, you get a prescription to heal the ailment, whatever it is. But when you start to work with cacao, you are going in with your intention to heal your heart. Like cacao is your heart medicine. So if there is trauma and especially with women, we store all our trauma and uh, wounds in, in our womb. And cacao is the goddess of fertility. So whatever, whatever is trapped in the body, the cacao will gently but very effectively bring it up to the surface. Like it, it's it's not it's not real airy fairy stuff. Like it is, uh, it is. There's deep deep uh, work that gets done with it. Yeah, sure. Wow. Even cacao beans were once used as a form of currency. So that yeah. there is historical significance of the cacao yeah. pot that and cacao bean the fruit of the cacao well pot. what happened was the men uh realized how powerful the women are when they drink it and then in the mayan tribes and it became uh it became so that they they uh, refused the, the women were only allowed to make it and they weren't allowed to drink it anymore and Jeez. so the men would take it as an aphrodisiac and the men would have it at parties and stuff, but the, the women weren't, we had, weren't allowed to drink it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
Just Were mad. the men having sex with one another, like aphrodisiacs? <laughs> I don't know. No, what was going on? I'm not judging. Everyone doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but the women everyone. wouldn't be allowed to have it. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the women wow. wouldn't be allowed to have it. And I think now with what's going on with the world and the consciousness rising and definitely, definitely the feminine energy is coming to the forefront. It's probably why it's, 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 it's becoming a thing now. Yeah. So accessible now. And, and even just to, like, as you said, we rolled our eyes to it or whatever. And there is that, but I can think back to like, you know, when we used to play low, when we were in our early twenties, like say yeah. 20 years old, we would have rolled our eyes at people that didn't drink or people who mm. were vegan or people who did yoga. And little did yeah. we know that in a year's time, that would be our life. So, so I'm not surprised that like, you know, I roll my eyes and go, oh, it's very woo woo. But then yeah. you, like literally what I've drank there tastes delicious. And Beautiful. it does feel like it's a relaxing kind of, you know. Yeah. You know, it's nice. Now, if you, if you were to do some breath work after, after you drink it, it takes a bit of time to come into your system. Like if you did like a couple of rounds of breath work and then just went into like a, a nice yoga nidra, like you will bliss out and it's beautiful. Wow. Yeah. I like that. And the third eye, your vagus nerve, like it'll all open. Jeez. Yeah, it's quite powerful. Great. I'm excited to see what the feedback is now in a few weeks. Be great. like, Jen, any more of that stuff? <laughs> well, it's, it's very That's pleasant. Yeah. It's great. Mm. I, uh, one thing which I'm interested in is because, you know, the way like anyone who's listening now might go, oh, this is all very woo-woo, uh, you know, uh, cacao ceremonies and third eyes and opening up your heart and all this. And I love it. I genuinely do. But I know that's not where you've, you know, you didn't grow up in California where there was, you know, totally <laughs> woo-woo. Like that hasn't been your background. It's only been in the last you know, decade or last number of years, you've really, you know, found your way through trauma and, you yeah. know, arrived. I definitely didn't grow up in no. California. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was born in Dublin's inner city in Yorkshire in the flats. And when I was four years of age, I moved with my mom and dad and my sister out to Blanchardstown. And at the time, there wasn't even a road to Blanchardstown. Like there was no shopping centers. There was no nothing. Like a, a housing estate was literally a housing estate in a, in a farm and fields, cows, everything. So we were basically, I was taken from the inner city where all my family and my nanny and my aunties and all that stuff. And I was just placed out into no man's land. And unfortunately, the, the relationship with myself and my mother, even from an early age, it just was very difficult. And... I think that's probably where where it all went wrong because when I was in the city centre, I had my caregiver, my nanny, I had a support system. So when I was taken out of that environment, uh, I found that very difficult. Yeah. Found it very difficult. Um, there was a lot of rejection or perceived rejection as a child. And it was only... Um, it was only years later when I found a, a mask card because I never met my nanny on my mom's side. And it was only when I found the mask card that I realized my nanny died on the 29th of March, 1983. And then I was born one month later. So my mom was only like 22 when she had me. Wow. And she had experienced a, a, a horrific grief, but her background was very difficult. So no wonder. I came into a challenging environment, yeah. And and sometimes I feel like it's, even though it's my story and we're in a much better place now, even talking about it, sometimes I feel like like I'm almost betraying her. It's hard for me to, 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 to speak about because I don't want to feel like I'm 
a victim or that's yeah, but, but not even that i think we're all a product of our environment so i don't think it's her fault i think she was a product of her environment yeah, yeah. So, so like we're just act like she was probably just acting out what she knew yeah. so it's like it's it's not her fault and i think that's a problem with so much of our societies we tend to blame the individual whereas the individual is the product yeah. of their environment so yeah. I don't think it. And then I, I learned something in AA then years later that your uh, your home or your upbringing is an eco environment, an ecosystem for resentments. And when I heard that, I, I completely understood what that meant because I was just so resentful all through me, me, me childhood and into my teens. I was so blocked off, spiritually blocked off with resentments. And I understood how, how that would have happened to me. Yeah, and, and, and how did you know, you know? Just hang on. Just shh, oh, sorry, we're both excited. Sorry, <laughs> sorry Jen. Not about you. I know. So just get back sorry. in your box for a sec. Uh, so I was just going to say, and how did that resentment play out? Like, because uh, you've got an incredible backstory and a journey of transformation, which I'd love to hear. And I think it's so important for anyone listening to hear because you're, you know, it's just yeah, strong. It, it it played out in anger, and it played out in violence. And by the time I got to first year in secondary school i was so deeply traumatized and so unemotionally available and no uh, understanding of how i walked or what was wrong with me i just was consumed in fear and because i didn't understand fear i internalized everything as anger so i had a huge thing with authority so i was going into uh, a school and I believe that the, I don't think the education system was, the, the particular education system was, I don't want to say the word qualified. I don't think they were experienced enough to understand or handle what was coming into their classrooms at the time because I was coming in with a world of pain and anger. And instead of helping me to process that, I was punished all the time. I was constantly in trouble, constantly suspended, constantly drinking in school and just up to up to all sorts. So for me, the only safe space I found or a place where people understood me was out on the streets and in gangs and robbed cars and like just carnage from I started to drink started robbing alcohol on my parents and I think I was like 11, 12 started dipping in. And then like 13, 14, when they started building the motorway to Blanchardstown, uh, there was daffodils. They planted daffodils all along it. But sure, me and my pal would go down and cut the daffodils and wrap them up into elastics, like say 10 daffodils for one pound. We go around the doors and sell them. And that's how we'd get our drink money. And that's just crazy things that that we did as kids. And no one ever called us back or... Or said anything. No one ever said that. And, and the one, probably the one thing that, always gave me that go ahead to just be wild and no one ever came looking for me. Mm. There was yeah, never, there was no one kind of no boundaries. Saying. There was no, I had no boundaries. I had no boundaries. There was no one ever to say like, where are you? What are you doing? You have to be in at this time. There was no accountability. It was, there was just no, go, go sort yourself out. And, and because and almost, of that, I internalized that of not being wanted. So I'm not going to go back into an environment where I'm not wanted. It's it's almost like your action was a call out for, you know, I need help. I need help. And there was no one there to listen. Yeah. And especially in the estate that we were growing up in, there was only one road in, one way in and one way out. And like the police wouldn't even come into this area. Like it was insane. And if you didn't come from the area, you wouldn't survive in it. 
So you had to be tough and you had to fight and like, you kind of learn, like all the stuff that I that I know now, all the stuff that I, the way I am now, I learned everything on the streets, fighting, standing up for myself. Like from the age of say 13 up, I was very much um, involved in probably like a lot of gangland stuff. Like I don't really have any friends from that past because they've either been murdered, they've either committed suicide or they've overdosed. Um, like I've got more friends in the graveyard in Blanchetown than I would have had alive. And I remember I used, yeah, for the last, a few years ago, I went through this really kind of dark phase where I couldn't understand what was wrong with me. Like when I look back at all the people that I went to school with, like everybody's married, everybody owns their own home, everybody has three or four kids. And I just have never experienced any of that. And I just used to think like, like where did it all go so, go, go so wrong? Like what was wrong with me that, Nobody wanted me to build to build a family with me, so that that was probably a tough three years. It took it took me about three years in the last couple of years to 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 process and and walk through that because when I uh, I'm kind of jumping here, but yeah, no, you're doing great. We got a, uh, I finally got um, our forever home for me and my daughter, and after facing three years of uh, I had it, we we rented for eight years and. The last three years was really difficult because the the landlord was trying to put us out and they wanted us to go into a hostel and I walked in homelessness and I was like, there's no way I'm not bringing my child. Like I would fight to a nail. And on the Tuesday, on the Friday that we were to leave our home on the Tuesday, I got accepted into our new home. And for years, I used to just used to think, now if I can just get us a safe home out of this environment, this unsafe place that we live in, if I can just get us into our own home, everything's going to be okay. But little did I know the day that they handed me the keys, uh, I think I just had some kind of mini breakdown again. It was very surreal. All of a sudden I have my own home. Nobody can take this away from me. And where my daughter was, she still had a year and a half left in primary school. So if I was to take her and put her in a new school, it wouldn't be great Mm, for her. She wanted to stay with her friends. So she had to stay my mom and dad's Monday to Friday and come back to me on the weekends. So I'm in this beautiful home. By yourself. By myself. Lonely. No child. I've no partner. And all the stuff from being the age of two came up. Like nobody wants to share this space with me. Wow. Kind of like an emptiness. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, you're you're amazing. Uh, Yeah. And it took a it took a while, and I had to go back to counselling. And then uh, I did CBT, which is amazing. But I'm very much if I have work to do on myself, I just get stuck in and do it. Like I don't want to tip in and have to keep going back. I'm like, just get this whatever I need to see here. Just just show me. And it was an old belief that I had, a limiting belief that I had, and. When when she pushed me and we did the walk around it, she asked me, is this true? Is this statement true that you've oh, been yeah. telling yourself for so long? I'm forced I had to say yes. I had to agree. I had to admit it. And it was the most painfulest thing I've ever had to say was that nobody wants to share a life with me. And then I had to let that sink in. And then I had to... Then I had to use, then I had to get honest now and be like, well, hang on, that's not actually true. <laughs> Mia is not with me 
because I'm doing this for who? Yeah. And I've just moved into this new beautiful home. I can't expect to have somebody move in and get married straight away. Uh, I have an amazing life full of abundance around me. Like, look at me, like I had to go to count, like it's in all this mess in the counseling, like because of where I'm from and the way I speak, I thought nobody was going to turn up to me classes like every single day. You're going to go here tonight. Nobody's going to be there. And, people, and this is your yoga classes. This is my yoga class and people still turned up. So I had to challenge that. That was, mm. that was, that was an old belief that wasn't true. So I've, I had to really dig deep and, and overcome that, that thought. And like what you were saying with the intentions and the affirmations, like people do want to be in my life. Like, can I, can I go back one sec? Cause yeah. I know this piece is for anyone listening here <laughs> might go, okay, right. How do we, I'm missing a chunk here. Yeah. So, okay. So you grew up in, in inner city and then you moved out to Blanchardstown. Yeah. And then as you said, it was carnage and, carnage. and you were kind of crying for help and it was gangs and it was all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And you started drinking from 11 and it kind of got worse in there. And did it get into drugs? And how, how did that period go from kind of like, 12 to 25 before you you know the house and all this because you you mentioned AA as well in the 12 step because there's so much there's there's so so much much, there's so so much much in your story and I really think anyone listening kind of go okay there is a big chunk there that's really important to this story yeah so (laughs) I think uh, the minute I was able to get into pubs at like 15 that was it I was gone Uh, and then I would have started using street drugs and what I found was I was kind of the last person out my friend group to, to go down the drug route. At the time, the heroin phase where I lived, there was a lot of heroin use. And I used to look at my old, my friends, brothers and sisters and be like, oh, wow, like that's really bad, you know? And it frightened me because they looked so bad. But then on the other side was like the, the, the glamorous and the, the party lifestyle. And that was more attractive to me. And I found when I took those types of drugs that they lit up something within me that wasn't I wasn't able to light it up myself I wasn't able to experience um euphoria and love like I didn't know what the feeling of love was because I'd never felt it I didn't understand happiness I never I they this was all uh foreign to me I just knew I was numb and angry <laughs> and the drugs kind of gave you a glimpse if, of that happiness and, 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 and just what the drugs just they just lit me up like a Christmas tree like I was <laughs> the best person to be around like it was and then unfortunately, like everything, like it has a boomerang effect, you know, what goes up must come down. And unfortunately, the, the, the higher the highs, the lower the lows and the lows got really bad. Um, like my mind, just my poor mind, like when I think about the damage that I've done, my mind would just go so low and I'd be, instead of just taking a few days to get over it, now it was weeks and months and I just felt like I was in this vicious cycle of just constantly down. And this is this is right through the end of school. This and is after all school. through the end of school, the early twenties. See, I, I just sometimes I don't know what to say because it's like that's a bit too much. But from the age of seventeen to twenty one, uh, the the relationship that I was in was extremely violent, and unfortunately, I experienced four years of really really bad violent abuse and. Uh, when I eventually was able to come out of that, I wasn't able to handle what was after happening to me. And again, nobody around to pull me out. So you're kind of stuck in it. So then when I came out of that, I wasn't able to process what was after happening because I didn't have the, the tools. 
and I felt this incredible shame because I'd lost a baby in the process. And I felt like that's your one job as a woman it, to, to be able to protect your pregnancy. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Like he was too, he was too, uh, too strong. And so that's where the drinking and drugging really went a couple of years bad after that. Cause I wasn't able to. You just had to bury, it was the yeah. only way almost drink could, away the shame and bury Yeah, it I had to the, hide that. That was pain. a, di yeah, that was a difficult one. I've actually, I don't think I've ever talked about that before. Maybe I'm able to talk about it now cause I've, I've done a lot, a lot of work around it. And then, uh, the, 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 the best thing that ever happened to me came into my life. Uh, I eventually did get pregnant. And this time I was determined to not let anything happen, happen to us. And I remember how, I think, how old were you at the time? Sorry, I was 25. So from, so 25 up to 25 carnage, like manic, just uh, any madness, anything that you've seen in the newspapers, the Sunday world, all that stuff. I've seen it. I've seen it a hundred times. I've lived it. So w when this came around, I was like, finally, this is something that nobody can take away from me now. And I don't know how I'm going to manage it, <laughs> but I'm going to find a way to get us out of this mess that I'm in. And was this kind of like some kind of almost internal calling? It was like, an internal. It sounds like it was just like, just something shifted. Something as soon as shifted. you got pregnant, it was like, I'm not living for myself now. I'm going to dedicate it to the beauty Yeah, of because child. I never understood what self-love was. To me, if you would, like those words, like what you were saying about the cacao, like airy fairy. Like if anyone was to say that kind of stuff to me, I would think they are mad there. That's a cult. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cult. Why are they on about self-love? No way. Don't even. And the reason why I was so, um, probably so d defensive or not into it is because when you don't understand how to love yourself or respect yourself, it's very difficult when someone tries to force it on you because it, it brings up how bad you feel about yourself. It's like when somebody tries to give you a gift and say thank you and you push it back. Oh, no, 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 it's okay. It, it was, yeah. So I didn't know how to accept any kind of kindness or goodness into my life. So when the doctor, it was, and it was Friday the 13th, like that was, it's like the best day of my life. <laughs> Friday, that was when you were pregnant. When, when, did, when I, the day I found out, yeah, June, Friday wow. the 13th. So that's like a, a good luck day for me. And the doctor was like, what, what would you do if you, if you are pregnant? And I was like, I am, I'm like, and he's like, yeah. And I floated, I wow. floated out of that, I floated. I didn't even touch the ground. And, and was that part of it because you'd lost the baby before and this was a whole new opportunity well, to- Well, or, see, or I, had, I had blocked out what had happened. So that, that didn't even come into it. So that, was, that was buried what was happened just, the fourth time it was time. just like this is uh, hope it was hope yeah it was it, it was, was a chance of okay time. this is meaning this is giving me purpose and meaning beyond just trying to escape all these horrible yeah. feelings I'm having now see the way we can articulate that yeah. now yeah, yeah I yeah. would have never even knew how to articulate to say that stuff back then like I had no understanding of myself but uh, it, that other brain that, that other voice that higher self that was like yes like it was the first time I was ever excited about my future. It was the first, it, it gave me something to, I'd something else to live for now. Now I had a reason why to eat well and, and change my lifestyle and come away from the, the environment that I was in. I never had a reason b before that, so and, I wouldn't do it. And to try be the mother that you wanted to have, you know, oh. to try to, you got the opportunity to be. I was so determined to be a good mom.
was so yes. determined. And I remember like thinking, she's never going to experience anything that's ever happened to me. But I didn't know how, but I just knew. I knew it was like in, in like the known. I knew she was never going to experience anything that that I did. So I had to go and get my shit together, didn't I? Wow. <laughs> how did you do that? So, like, so, how so, do you go? So, this is, so, so, so your daughter Maya is 11 now. So it's been Mia, obviously. Mia, because if she ever listened to this, she'd go mad. Sorry, Mia, <laughs> Mia. So it's been 11 she's years. She's 13. Or she's 13 yeah, now. Yeah, she's 13 so, now. So, so it's been 13 years of you having to deal so, with all your demons and really, sure. really mm-hmm. become the incredible human you are today. Like the incredible woman you are today. And a lot of the time I didn't even have time to look at myself because when I was a a single, like I'm a single parent and back then, like I had to work two, three jobs. Like when Mia was only a few weeks old, I was working nighttime in a bar, in a pub. Like, so I'd be out from like five in the evening till five the next morning. Like I didn't really have help. So I had to get up at six, seven with her, like going all day. And then we had no money, like. Thank God for for uh, charities like the Vincent de Paul because they they literally kept us uh, like afloat. We we had nothing. Like there was times where we had nothing, and thank God for the Vincent de Paul. There's really really good people out there that like any time I was stuck and it's mad. There's the the man John. He's like the he's like uh, what is John? John is kind of in charge of my area. You know, just different locations. John. I don't know. The man is looked just like an earth angel. Every few months, it's like he'd know when I was stuck and he might put something in the letterbox. And when you see it, and it's mad, but like when you see that let envelope, you know the writing and it's a few little vouchers. Like you don't, you don't understand how, how much you feel don't like understand how, how that, that gives you a chance to breathe. Like you don't understand what that's like. Wow. Mm. So then I was like, right, well, I was always have, I'm always like a hustler. Like back from when I was robbing the, the daffodils to for my drink <laughs> money. See, this is the good thing about where I came from and all the stuff that I did. I just took everything that I learned and tried to channel it in a positive way. So I was like, right, how can I make money legally? Like not selling anything that I shouldn't be selling because there was a lot of drug use and stuff. You know, you, you like you can't afford drugs. So you have to barter and, and all that stuff. So my friend owns a like a beauty uh, training school. So I was like, right, fair enough. Went and did a, a spray tanning course and popped up the tent in the back room. And I'll tell you, spray tans are life because this is this is like how I was able to pay for it. Like I've I've paid for all my college myself. I've got degrees. I've got like I have a degree in community and addiction studies. Like I'm a trained addiction counselor, like all my yoga stuff. But the spray tans, like on a Thursday night, everyone knew, like spray tan Jen. That was my first name before. <laughs> spray tan Jen. <laughs> Jen spray tan. Like everyone in Dublin 15 came to me for their spray tans. So on a Thursday night, like a ten or a tan, you could have Jesus, 20, 30 girls out in the garden, up the stairs. Like, so it was almost like a social thing. It was thing. like a social thing. It was like, a, it was like a, a, a conveyor belt and everyone would be running in and running out. And it was just like little things like that just kept kept us afloat until I was able to get through colleges and courses and and there's a chunk there because I know you've worked with the homeless for like yeah 10 okay, years. no can I go back one bit so like <laughs> how do you how did you transform I know as soon as you got pregnant there was this desire to bring out the better but how do you deal with addiction and deal with kind of those degrees of trauma like was there anything in particular that kind of really helped you almost like spiritually give you that faith give you that sense of that you could do it from yourself well funny that you say that because when I was walking out of doctors 
uh, somebody was walking in and they hit me with the door. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> but it turned out to be my friend who I knew from the madness, who was now addiction counselor. And I was like, it's you. And he's like, it's you. We hadn't seen each other. The last time I seen him, he was trying to get his shit together. And I was still in the madness going, ah, no, I love this. <laughs> and now he hit me with the door. And now he's telling me, oh, I'm addiction counselor. And I just broke down and I was like, I need help. And he was walking in Dublin 15. And I was like, okay. And he, he so I'd go up and visit him every week. And he was, the, it would have never, no one else would have walked. I had to be him because I would never have trusted anyone else. I would have never spoke to anyone else. I would have never been able to tell them because I knew that he, he came from where I came from. And I knew that and I said to him was in confidence and I'd never had, I never knew how to trust anybody. So he was probably my first chance in the world at learning to trust somebody with my safety as a woman and with my innermost vulnerability because I'd been taken advantage of so much. For me to trust another man like that was vital to me and me as uh, recovery and survival. So he was almost like an angel in a sense, like. And I became so dependent on him. And like, even when, like, say if I had to go once a week to him, I'd still go up there every day and just sit in the waiting room and talk to everybody because it was the only safe space I had in the world. And he, and they knew that all the staff knew that they, they were obviously like, they knew I was trying and he used to, uh, he used to blackmail me. He used to tell me if I'd go to counseling, he'd let me skip the queue and get a massage and acupuncture w once a month. Uh, Cause you're only allowed to get four sessions, but sure I was there for two years and had a session every week. So, <laughs> so he used to say, look, if you go in, if you go into your counseling this week, I'll, I'll bump you up the list. So that, that kind of kept you that going. Kept so, that me kinda, in. So, so that was like, almost like a life, uh, almost like a lifeline in a, a sense life. to kind of go, okay, Jane, you want to transform your life. You need some angels. You need some kind of tools yeah. and some channels because you can't do it by yourself. Like we are all the product of our environment. Yeah. Well, that's funny you say that because one of the things that I always say is that I can't, but we can. Nice. And, you know, that was my, that was my lifeline. And the one thing that, what I'll always, always be grateful for is he never took advantage of my vulnerability because from being a, a service user and then from working in services. Not everybody who walks in the caring sector is there for the right reasons. And I've been pretty hurt. And thank God, thank God he, he, he looked after me and he did exactly what he was supposed to do. Because look at, look at where I am today. You know, it, it kept me safe for two years. And, and that, that got you kind of off. You know, off addiction, drugs, off drugs, off, off alcohol. Yeah. And he off. used to challenge me. He used to always say, it's not the drink, it's not the drugs, your problem, Jen, it's the drink. And that was the last thing. That was the hard part. I was like, no, it's not. It's just the drugs. And he's like, you don't take drugs sober. You only take drugs when you're drinking. Ah, yeah, yeah, no, but I can handle the drink. And unfortunately, the two years of trying to drink without taking drugs was worse than anything that I've experienced on drugs because my brain had been so damaged and the blackouts were really bad. And that's how I ended up going into 12 step fellowship. Cause he used to say to me, uh, oh, Jen, this new, this new thing started and 
they keep because I used to, used to say I'm anxious I have anxiety and he, he he's so sort of like if you said the word now addict or cocaine addiction or 12 steps oh no that's that's another cult you are all mad but he used to say to me Jen I found this place and they all talk about anxiety and it's something that you like this, I think you should go and listen to them ah oh, no that wouldn't be for me and then I was like oh well okay we'll get that bad enough that I'd go and and the 12 step, that's for anyone who's not familiar with it. It's kind of like AA, Alcohol Anonymous. It's kind of, it's a program to yeah. help you through and to almost to give you faith, oh, isn't it? The 12 step program is without doubt one of the most beautiful experience that a human can have. Like it's just what happened to me in that transformation, like t- internally, it, it, like forever grateful, forever grateful, like and I understand now that all this stuff that I got up to, all the pain, I was just always searching for oneness and connection. I was so totally disconnected from myself, from my higher self, from God, like from everyone. That That's what the 12 step brought me back on. Unfortunately, when I had me a I went into it really, the day she was born, about an hour later, I'll never forget it. Uh, it's like my mind just shut down and I got really, really bad, severe postnatal depression. And it was even that bad that I remember one time thinking, if I just, if she was only a few days, a few weeks old, and I was sitting in the car and the thought of going back into the home on my own with her was so frightening. And I remember saying like, if I just ring the hospital, <laughs> this, is, this is where my poor mind was. If I just ring the hospital and ask them, will they take her back off me just for a couple of weeks until I figure out what the fuck I'm doing? Because I'm such a bad mother and I don't know what I'm doing. And then I was afraid to say that because I said, if I tell them that, they won't give her back to me. Mm. Because I couldn't feel anything. Remember, I, I didn't understand what love was. There was only pain and trauma and numbness in my body. So because I couldn't feel anything, I didn't understand why I couldn't connect with her. And it's such a, sh- it's not talking about, nobody ta- Nobody no. talks about it. No, what you're talking about is so raw and so, like it's so Like I left the hospital, human. I left the hospital a day early because the girl that was in the bed beside me, she was so happy. She was breastfeeding, but she wasn't only breastfeeding the new baby. The husband was bringing in the two other kids and she were all in the bed breastfeeding and she was so happy. And I was like, oh, I have to get away from her. Oh, I have to get out here. This is not for me. This is not for me. And the doctors were giving out. And I was like, I have to go. Like, I can't stay here. I'm going to hold myself. Like, it's not, I couldn't, they were too happy. And and hey, like, and I guess this is the question that, uh, that certainly I'm thinking of and most people listening are going, okay, well, how do you get from a point where you're, where you really have no trust, you yeah. can't experience life, you're numb, you've got no support around not you. Support. So you really are like rock And you bottom. have to remember the relationship with me more at this time was probably the worst it's ever been. Like it was so toxic. So so no support, vulnerable, lonely, like. And trying not to take drugs. And trying not to, uh, like, so you really are at like rock bottom. And now I look at you now as an incredible role model for women and so many different things. And like, I think anyone listening to go, okay, what you've experienced, you wouldn't want your worst enemy to experience in terms of how challenging it must have been. But how do you go from over a 13 year period to go to hell and back and arise as this shining star? Like genuinely. Like, <laughs> well, like, how, thank cause, you. Because <laughs> people listening will kind of go, right, 
I haven't experienced what you have, but I certainly have experienced numbness. I've yeah. certainly experienced vulnerability and pain and all the human emotions like at a different level. Everyone experiences things differently, but we all want to become more open and move into our heart more, as you said. And how did you do it? So this is the, this is uh this is the good stuff now. Yeah. <laughs> this is chapter the good two. stuff. Here we go. <laughs> chapter two. Uh, so I told, as I said, I went into a 12-step program. And when I went into uh, CA Force Cocaine Anonymous, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that people in the rooms were sharing so openly, so honestly. I just cried. Every single beat I went into, I just cried and cried probably and cried. Because you'd never been around. People I had been so, never. You, you used to probably joke about your feelings. Like and, I'm used to violence and gangland and shut up like a name calling and walking on eggshells. So to come into this room with like, see the way I come in with the incense, we had the incense and so to walk into a room where you just are lifted by the energy, like it captured me. Uh, candles and like smiles and people were so like hey are you a newcomer here's a cup of tea and I was like oh my god these people actually want me here <laughs> they're not trying to get rid of me like this is this and that's the lovely thing about fellowship is that they just want you to stay they really do so there's a there's a program there's a 12-step program and I had suffered enough and this was the first time anyone ever said to me you don't have to suffer like this anymore. Like we have a solution. And I was like, oh, what? what's that? And they were like, if you do this piece of work, your life's going to change. And at that time, if you had told me to bloody stand on my head in the middle of O'Connell Street, like I'd have done whatever for me and for me, I would have done. And I think, I think that's what, I had that gift of desperation. And I think that's what you need to to survive, to overcome any difficulty, you have to want it. And when you don't want it, nothing changes if nothing changes. And when that's, you... It's such an oxymoron, like the gift of desperation, almost like yeah. desperation. Oh, there's, there's, there's no other option. There's no other option. There's no other option here. Like, thank God I had it because, and this is what breaks me heart and this is why I do what I do and try and reach as many people is because some people don't have that gift of desperation do you know what I mean and they're falling through the cracks because they just don't see they don't have that thing in them to want to live or to fight it or to overcome it like the desperation is almost like the spark to kind of make it happen it's like the need uh, yeah, for more yeah it's, it's, it's it, like is, it is enough. a gift like yes that 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 thing inside where you're just crying for help and eventually the help is here and you're like, I'm going to do whatever this fucking takes. Like, and I just went hell for leather. Like, I'm such a perfectionist. I'm like, I just get stuck in. <laughs> I don't like being in pain. Don't want, don't want to suffer. And, you know, the first few years of any recovery, mental health, addiction, trauma, it's very hard. I'm not going to lie. It's so painful. You're in the trenches. You're raw. You feel everything. And... Thank God, uh, the first thing what they made me do was you have to start meditating. I've said, what? What's that? What the hell is that? And I remember the first time I meditated, I sat on the end of my bed and I played this little YouTube thing. Do you know what it was? And it's, oh, he died this year. You know Tichnay? Tichnay Han. Oh, he has, and I play it in my class. It's like a, the bell chant. Somebody sent it to me and they were like, just play that and just sit. Oh my God, thank God for that bell chant. When, when, when I was, because I'd never been so still in my life, 
when I would sit on the end of the bed, the tears would flow, but I would feel like I was drunk. My bodies, and I was saying, if anybody finds out what's happening to me, they're gonna think I'm drinking. I was, I thought because I, I, I was having this mad effect with the meditation, I was like, they're gonna think my sponsor's gonna drop me. She's gonna think that I'm, that I'm drinking, and just, I was so undisciplined so undisciplined and it was the first time in my life thank god people would love you enough to say jen just shut up and do what you're told you know nothing you've burned your life to the ground and i had i'd ruined me like and i learned about will your will my life on my will i will ruin it mm. i will ruin everything i touch because i'm full of all these just different um trauma in a sense I don't know if it's trauma, just the self-seeking. Like I had a mask for everybody because I needed to suss you out to see how am I going to keep it in my life? What am I going to get from you? And you can't play masks for everybody. Do you know what I mean? You ha I never knew how to be myself. So no wonder everybody left because I I'm either implying my will and telling you how I think you should live your life and you need to do this. And then I get so resentful when they don't do it. And then I'm like, well, they didn't fucking ask me to tell them in the first place. It was so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you come in and you start to do work on yourself, whether it's 12 step, whether it's counseling or therapy, when you start to look at yourself and you start to be honest with yourself, you'll see it, don't you? And then I was mortified. Like I was cringing with it. Oh, it was probably the hard. hardest work you'd ever done. Oh. It's, it's, it's really hard to be honest with yourself. Like we all want to think we're yeah. sunshine and lollipops. Uh, and we can blame other people. Very few of us want to sit there, look oh, ourselves in the mirror and brutal go. Brutal honesty. And like having to write stuff down, like in, in the part of 12 step is you do a fourth and a fifth step. And it's basically, you just write all your shit down. But the way they do it is you write you're, all your shit down. That's, from, that's <laughs> a summary. It's a summary. Of 12 it's a summary. But I'd like I'd like 26, 27 years of shit. So I was such a victim in my life. And I remember the woman saying to me one day, she was so posh and she spoke so well. And she'd wear like um, her pearls and her fur coat. And she's like 20, 30 years in recovery. And I remember having to ask her, will she help me? Because you have to go and say, like, will you help me? Why should I help you? You know? And I was like, Brilliant. Yeah, you have to go up and ask someone to help you. And and I heard somebody speak in a meeting and I knew. And I was like, who are you, who are you walking with? Like, I need to get what you have. And they directed me. And I remember I used to give out about my ma every single time. It was just so repetitive. It, it was it was repetitive. I was uh, like a broken totally record. Like a fucking broken record. Oh, God. <laughs> I used to, I was painfully even listening to myself. But because I didn't know didn't know any. I didn't know. Like, I didn't have a different awareness to look beyond it. It was like a stuck on a bleeding broken. No wonder who, who, who made you get you helped you to take well, that record off. This is what off. she said to me. I remember one day she just said to me, "Jen, victims don't recover." And I thought, the neck of horse saying that to me. <laughs> <laughs> who does she think she is? I was fuming, and I knew in me gut on a soul level. I knew this bitch. She knows, she knows, she's at the, I felt like, I felt like she had got a shotgun of truth and just hit me right into the chest. And, like, just and you didn't want to hear it. Didn't want to hear it, but my God, did I need it. 
totally neat. Like my ego was the size of this building. You were like, big and powerful oh, and you could. Who does she think she is? Like the world owes me. I have been wronged. And Do you I, not I, know I, what happened to I, me? I'm like, guessing, <laughs> knowing the small bit of you, you could talk your way out of any. Oh, you were just. I'm a compulsive liar. I will lie my way out. And, and I'm so um, like, I will lie that much that you will believe it. I will believe it. Do you know what I mean? So she couldn't, couldn't get nothing past her. She'd been there, done that. She saw me coming a mile away. And it was exactly what I needed. I need brutal honesty. But the one thing she always said is that truth without love is brutality. And I knew that everything that She's she was... She's some wide, wise words. That <gasps> what was it? It was, it was victims never Victims don't recover. recover don't because recover. you can't recover. As long as you're in that victim mode, like people are probably listening and they've had horrific things done to them, you know, and I hear you and so have I and forgiveness of uh, perpetrators and stuff is a totally different piece of work and it's tough. But as long as I was in that victim mentality of poor me, I was never going to get well, never. It's inevitable. You will not get better. Spiritually, you will, you will never be spiritually free as long as you're stuck in that victim role. And how did you get out of it? Oh, she dragged me out <laughs> <laughs> with the shotgun of truth. Oh, amazing. <laughs> so Scared you That day, that, that day, since that day, she said that to me, everything changed. My, my, my whole mind blew open, a different level of awareness. And I finally heard myself whinging at me for so long. I said, I can't, I can't say that stuff again. I can't listen to myself again. She was, she was so right. It was exactly what I needed to hear at that time. And what does the Buddha say? When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And by God, she appeared that day. <laughs> wow. And did she, and she kind of helped you through. So she went through the rest of the process. And what happens is, like what I said, like we're only as sick as our secrets. And as long as you are holding stuff in, Holding pain, like holding, Pe secrets, like as in. like all stuff that I did, shame with men, with sex, with being a, a bad mother, with not being wanted, being a bad child, bad friend, everything. Like it's all inside us. Like when people do stuff to you, like because I'd been in such a violent situation, you internalize that as I'm weak and I couldn't save myself. And you own, you own that. Like, does that make sense? that it's embarrassing to have to say that I was a victim of abuse yeah. of domestic and, abuse and it's it's um, like uh, how I understand that you're only as sick as your secrets is that like all of us have things that we're ashamed of inside of ourselves and it's not until we talk about them and can take away the energy in them yeah. that and then we get our vulnerability share our weakness it's only through yeah. our the like into intimacy ultimately is into me see and it's only yeah. when we share these secrets these vulnerable parts and that's suddenly probably we connect. It's easy to yeah. say it's so easy to like, rationalize yeah. and you say it but to actually do it is yeah hard. so and that's why the universe placed me into a 12-step program and it's mad that i ended up in there like i'm I, I, because i learned now i'm not an, an addict i'm not an alcoholic because you have to have specific tendencies but they do say you can become one. So I stayed out of fear, like the fear of God. But I'm definitely, then through AA, then I found Al-Anon. And Al-Anon is a program for people who have been uh, affected by other people's drinking and drugging and uh, behaviors. And when I kind of moved away from the chaos of me drinking and drugging, and my mind started to open a little bit. Then I started to learn in Al-Anon 
Okay. Al-Anon. Yeah. So Al-Anon is, is that like, another acronym for? Yeah. So it's the it's this kind of like the sister of AA. It's yeah. for the family of people who have been uh, affected by alcohol and drugs. And Al-Anon was like was like me armor to protect me against the world. Here's where I learned to deal with people. So I'd learned to deal with myself. In, in the 12 step, I'd, I'd, I'd started to understand me and how I walk. And now I'm starting to learn how to deal with people in the world. And this was such a game changer for me. Like, it was amazing. It's, it's such a beautiful uh, process. Like, it's very hard now. And, and now, even just to get a context of this. So you're in AA and I'm wondering, okay, you met a woman in there. Is it like men and women in the same? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. not just for women or not just for men. No, it's, it's, all, it's, all, all, mi- it's all mixed. All mixed. But back to the, to, to the, when I got to write down all my stuff and I eventually got to read it out, this was the first time I had ever, ever, ever told anybody any of the stuff that I'd done. And I tell you, it feels like the weight of the world is taken off your shoulders. And the beautiful thing about a 12-step program is, and this is something now, I think this is why why, um, my classes and the work that I'm doing is working so well with women is I learned that the greatest thing you can do is to share your stuff with somebody and create that space for them to share it back. So she created a space where I felt I could share the stuff and the beauty was she shared right back to me what she had done certain areas of her life. Wow. And that's where the magic happens. It's in the sharing. So you so didn't feel almost, alone and you didn't, didn't feel exposed was no or shame. vulnerable. There was no shame. There was no shame in it. There was just it was openness. Like, and... Wow. Connection. I'm not the only one that feels like this. I'm not the only one that behaved like that. I, I fucked up and so did she and so did he and we all did all like and so it's almost like you start forgiving yourself and you start That's, shedding yeah, the layers yeah. and eventually you come back to this you know the the kind of core of where you're at which is that yeah. like we all have this inner child or whatever you want to call it a core center within ourselves that like is yeah just wants to well, be loved this, and wants now to I be, started to have internal experiences because I was pulling out all this junk that was in me that my mind catastrophized now I was pulling out now I was getting to the real stuff now I was getting back into my heart which I'd never experienced before so if you remember what I said about me I couldn't feel that and couldn't I didn't feel love or I didn't know what that felt like and every night going to bed like I still showed up for her every day she didn't know that she would never have a clue that I was not well and not feeling what what parents are supposed to feel but I remember one time we I put her to bed and love you, mammy, and I love you too, and I love you to the moon, and I love you this, and I love you to the moon back. And I put her into her bed and we we said our little things and I closed the door and she said, Mammy, I said, What love? I do love you to the moon and infinity. And I swear to God, oh, it was the best uh, thing, the experience. I, I remember just standing on the landing, all my body just lit up. <laughs> uh, my heart it was the first time I ever experienced my heart opening I felt like a balloon had popped in my chest like bang and I and it was the first time my mind ever said she means that <laughs> she means that and that was the first time I knew I was going to be okay jeez 
How many years was, ago was she that? was three. She was three when that happened. Ten, Ten years ago. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, fuck, this is some good shit. <laughs> and I was like, if and this, this, this... this was you lighting up your... You lighting up like a Christmas tree without, without drugs anything. or alcohol. With, with, from with connection. God, with God. With love. God is love. God is truth. And that's what I learned. And the more I was telling the truth, more the more I was opening and telling the truth, the bigger these feelings in my body were having. The more I was meditating, the better the experiences were. The more I was sharing and helping other people, the better my life was becoming. Instead of taking from the world all the time, the world owes me and scamming people left, right and centre. You learn to give. And there's a beautiful prayer, um, the prayer of St. Francis. And he says like, to understand rather than be understood. And that line completely again changed my perception because the victim mode was, I always needed everyone to understand me. And I always had a big spiel about this fucking drama and that. But now, now my goal was to understand people without them having to, to be understood rather than to be understand. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. now I was like, now I was like, shit, this is like, my brain was firing on all cylinders. It was like, I can't keep up with this. This is too much. And then I just went down a rabbit hole of like, just learning, reading everything, YouTubes, like anything spiritual, like send it to and, me. And did, did the whole Alamon or Alanon? Alanon. Like, so you, someone got you kind of, this lady or someone said, well, why don't you meditate? Because for whatever reason. Yeah, and was well, meditation that, and prayer is step 11. Step and thank up. God they copped onto that, first of all, because when you're coming in, when you're coming into any space uh, with trauma on your brain, with uh, alcohol and drug effects on your brain, like that's why I love the neuroscience now, because I went back and learned what 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 was wrong with my brain. Like, you know, like your receptors and, and stuff like when you take drugs and alcohol, like you shut them receptors down and uh, the connections are not there. So when you start meditating, it makes them uh, connections again. So thank God they make you meditate first when you come in just to slow down the madness because we're wired. Yeah, I wonder if we could talk a little bit about faith, the importance yeah. of faith, because often I think in modern day society, like tradition, like I go over to Poland a bit with my wife and there's still this really strong faith yeah. and it might be expressed through religion. But nowadays in modern day society, often materialism and kind of fame, you know, fame and technology and social media has kind of filled this void of faith. I wonder if we, if we could talk just a little bit about faith and how it had such a central role with your kind of recovery process. Yeah. And not necessarily faith for religion. I think it's a general faith, word, a faith meaning trust, trust, trust in trust. life, in, trust, in God, yeah. in life, in others, whatever in word you want whatever. to use. Like, you know, like I've had, oh, I've had mad, mad experiences. Like, from like, like, sorry, like what that thing, what happened with me, like I felt that mm. in me heart. That wasn't me. That wasn't a chemical. That was like, that was from above. That, that, that was a heart opening experience. And when you start to have them connections, like you are, your brain, like you're, you're drawn to start to open your mind to other, other things that when, when I had to read out all that stuff, like it was so painful. 
And I remember. And would you write it down? And yeah, then you had to write out. it all down. You had yeah. to read it out. And then you'd go in every two week weeks and you'd do it. Re- Them two weeks, I hell, I had it done in two days. I was like, I can't sit with this for two weeks. Get this out of me. Like I had it done in two days. And I was like, can we, can we read it today? Can we read it today? Like I just wanted it. This is I was, AA I was on Al- fire. Like I was on fire. I can imagine like, looking at it. That's surprising. That's surprising. I was wired. Uh, like this, this stuff was walking to me. And to to come from a place of like what you're saying with no faith and no trust and no hope and now all these little things start to happen and you're like fuck like there's something bigger than me <laughs> like I can't be the I can't be doing this because I don't know how to do this on my own like how am I naturally starting to feel things again and a lot of the readings that I was reading with was around God and not in a religious way, but just in a, in a really spiritual uh, environment that kindness and, and love and I didn't understand them words like I hadn't a clue, but I started to experience them on a, on a soul level now. And this was totally changing how I perceived the, the world. And I just was like, God is real and God is in my heart. And I'm not afraid to say it. And I'm so happy. I'm beyond happy today that I know it. And that's the the the, the faith, I suppose, that has kept me going the last two years. Because every single time I do something that lights up that. Like I always say, your heart is your internal lighthouse, you know. And every time I do something that lights up that lighthouse within me, like, I just give all, all, all thanks to, just give all thanks to the God. And, and, and I learned to say thank you to the universe for everything. Thank you for it all. Thank you for all the painful experiences because now look at what I have to give. Mm. Like your, your, your experiences is your greatest asset. You know, like you can't go to Trinity College and learn this shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, I had to go through it. You're very rich by that definition. You're very rich in experiences. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, some of the stuff that I had to experience probably didn't have to experience it so bad. And I think at times the universe was trying to show me and show me signs and pull me out of situations. But I was so stubborn and so, what's that word? Um bullheaded or that kind yeah, of thing yeah I am bullheaded because I am a Taurus and I'm so stubborn but there's a word uh, it'll, it'll come back to me in a minute and she used to always say to me like this is why you keep getting into trouble and like I remember when I when I went to AA and walking with this woman like she made me take out in front of her my phone and I had to delete all male phone numbers in my phone because you have to she has to see are you willing like, are you willing to to do the walk? To and, do what it takes. Yeah, wow. are you willing to take what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had to do it in front of her because she was so, she was so, uh, she knew what she was doing. She just shut the book and on was, you. And was that even because you had to, like, I don't know. What, like, you had just, to be on your own. Yeah, okay. You had to be, you had to be on your own. And I always say, like, uh, to do, sometimes to do pieces of walk at certain times in your life, it does help to be on your own to do it. Yeah, well, it's it's With, like the dark night of the soul. Yeah, and it's almost like you've you got stripped down to your core, stripped down bare, <laughs> and then and you've built yourself back up. Yeah. And like even being in the room here with you, like you're 
there's a certain like there's there's so much vulnerability and power within you like genuinely there is like it's palpable and that's why when you say people come to your class they they cry they yeah. cry because they can feel the depth of what you've experienced and i'm just wondering for anyone listening like like you've built yourself back up and mm. now it feels certainly being in the room even here with you like you can light that christmas tree or whatever you called it. you said you can light yeah like like it feels like you've learned how to light yourself up without drugs or alcohol yeah. And what are some of the tools you use on a daily basis? Because obviously there's meditation. We just drank cacao and yeah. it was really nice <laughs> and it was wonderful. Yeah. And you do your yin yoga and you've mentioned about how important it is to think of others and to get rid of this victim mindset. And are there other things like that? That like Because a lot of people haven't been stripped to their core to the mm-hmm. extent that you've had. And as you said, having that blessing of no other option or whatever. Yeah. Um, like, like what are tools for, because all of us are looking for ways to light ourselves up and shine without drugs. Like you can ha- like you can do all the, like you can do all the lovely stuff, like the meditations and the cacao and the sea swimming and the sunsets. Like you can do all that stuff, which is lovely. But if you're not being honest with yourself and showing up every day Boom. as in your raw truth, it's not going to work. It's not going to totally work because agree. like, and this is why like, like me, me website is nearly ready. And I call me page like earth school because I've learned that you come, you come, like we signed up for this. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I signed up for to, to come in into this, this time around on earth under these conditions to learn what I need to learn. And if you're not, consciously asking yourself like what is this trying to teach me instead of like saying why me why is this always happening to me because that's the narrative that I was in the minute I started to say what is this trying to and I, I still say this every day like like yous are coming into me life and instead of putting labels on people like friends or husband or wife or girlfriend or my daughter like teachers what is this person trying to teach me because that's what we all are we're all light and light attracts light and everybody's coming into each other's energetic fields to teach each other what we need to learn to move on to the next stage of our life. And when I started to flip the script and look at it like that, then things change. Like if I'm not being totally honest with myself, I can do all the other stuff, but it doesn't raise me vibration. It doesn't bring new experiences into me life because I'm still stuck at that low, low energetic place of poor me. You know, why me? I, th- I think you can now embody the energy of that woman that helped you. Because even you saying it there, like, you know, you can do as much yoga or sunsets or cacao ceremonies <laughs> or whatever it might be, you, the latest kind of thing, yeah. or meditate. But unless you can look in the mirror and be honest with yourself yeah. and call yourself out when you're full of crap or you're, you have you're to in a victim mindset. Like, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And in a sense, as you say, you had a blessing that like there was no other option. There was yeah. no other option other yeah. than to, there was so much pain. You, you had to go straight through this and look it in the face. And a lot of us don't, as you said, don't quite get that blessing that we yeah. can kind of handle the pain isn't too severe. Desperation, the blessing of desperation. The gift. The gift, the gift of, desperation. of desperation. Which, which is an incredible yeah. way of looking at it. And yeah. like, I can understand, like that perspective, I can see it and I can understand it. And I'm kind of going, geez, well, we didn't, we haven't experienced that depth of experience that you've had and I'm kind of going well how do for anyone listening like how do you face your shit like how do each of us if the pain isn't that severe but we know we're probably kind of like it's a dull there's a slight empty there's a little you know you know um, um. well your mind is like a lock 
like if you if you think of um, a padlock, like your mind is a lock, a, a lock, and acceptance is the key to open it. So if if there's parts of you that you're not accepting, that part of of you stays locked. And the 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 best thing about doing the work is allowing the shadows, the shadow walk, allowing that that part of like. The, the shame that I felt about things that I did in my past, that part of Jen, I had to learn how to go back and love her. And I had to go back and not shame her and not give out about her or not hide her or not push her away. Like 15-year-old Jen, 18-year-old Jen, 20-year-old Jen, whatever she did at that time, she did that for her best intention. And if I keep pushing that away and not accepting that part of it I'm still going to get stuck but what will happen is the universe will keep bringing people and situations into me life to replay that until mm. I learn that lesson and until I accept and that's what I've been doing the last 10 years is I've been going back and healing 15 year old Jen like she doesn't have to fight the world I'm not out fighting with the police on the streets anymore you know 20 year old Jen when she's in that dark space you know I had to go back and, and and love her and take care of her and accept her and then you know Jen when she was a, a, a new parent and, and was struggling to connect like at that time my brain my nervous system it was just protecting me it was mm. doing everything it was supposed to do there's nothing to be ashamed of there's nothing I've nothing to be ashamed of for things that I've done in my past so that's that's what what for me that's what I what I've and what I constantly have to do like it's not all gone no no it's no, not gone but none of us are ever yeah like fully. I still I still get triggered you know I still get oh god remember that like and it's like on I, every day I just have to accept all parts of myself and it's the hardest thing you'll ever do the hardest thing you'll ever do but I feel like I can't be my authentic self until I bring every single part of me, like the good, bad and the ugly. Because mm. that's what you get. Well, isn't that, that's to, coming into wholeness, isn't it? Yeah, accepting our shadow, yeah. accepting our insecurities, accepting yeah. our flaw and that we're perfectly imperfect. But, and, and what helps me, what helps me come into that space is other women and other men. When they come to me and they share their stuff with me and I'm like, oh, that's okay. Wait, I tell you what I did. Like it's <laughs> grand. <laughs> You know, and that 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 sharing space is probably what allows me to to show up. And and I've like the last couple of years when the lockdown happened, I got really bad PTSD, and me me mind oh it was such it was such a difficult time. Me mind went into I go you know like just fight or flight or freeze. I go into the freeze mode. So I wasn't even like if you'd asked me to talk to you two years ago, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to. I couldn't have a conversation. Like see that glass, I wouldn't have known the word. I'd, I'd pass me that and I'd be like, you know, that thing, that thing in front, like, what's that? Me brain, God love it, was just in, in, in shut down mode. So that was fun. <laughs> Jeez, well, so, so really kind of like, you know, when you break it down to its core, like we're all fumbling along in this experience called life and each yeah. one of us, you know, has to face our own stuff yeah. and somehow unravel this you know, and accept all these various parts of ourselves, like wrap yeah. ourselves in a blanket. And I think of 
kind of accepting the parts that we don't like of ourselves, that we can sometimes be jealous, and we can sometimes be envious, and we can sometimes be greedy. Uh, and yeah, and insecure, right. and the bits you don't really like, it's somehow bringing them to the forefront and accepting and, and the more we it. accept them, because isn't love ultimately, like you hear people having kind of um, like almost death experience, and they always say, I felt so accepted. I mm. felt so loved. And I think that's ultimately it, isn't it? The more yeah. we can accept the fullness of ourselves, the more and, we feel And I think, I think that comes back to environment. You know, like, as you said, you found tribes with your AA and your Al-Anon. Al-Anon, yeah. Al-Anon. Yeah. Like and you, I haven't found... been there for, for a long time now. Like, they were just kind of like a, a, a stepping stone. They just catapulted me out, out into the world. And, <laughs> and probably now you have your own tribes. Like, you really yeah. do. You, you have your own. You've got your community on social media. You've got your women who come to your classes. You've got your hikes. You've got, like, you now yeah. are an ambassador for everything which you you didn't have growing yeah, up yeah. yeah and you know what that's probably the best thing is i feel like i feel like i'm a big sister to <laughs> i feel like i'm a big sister to like half of dublin because we like especially when you come from and if you look at um the inner city in dublin in the last few years all the gangland there's a, a hell of a lot of trauma in in dublin inner city at the minute and i feel like I'm able to go in and reach places where maybe other teachers who look different or speak different can't get to. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Because I would have been... Because you've been there. You a, can, a, bit, you, a bit like you could only trust that other friend of yours. I could yours. only trust him. You could only trust yeah. him. In the same way, you can go in there and go, I've been where you are. Yeah. I've, I've been in those they shoes. Know, yeah. And they know, by looking into your eyes, they know, okay, this like isn't... I, 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 like, and I'm only saying how how uh, uh, how people would say it, like uh, she was born with a silver spoon and I'm out. They know that's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't the deal with me. So I've had to I've had to walk like hard, you know. And they a lot of people will see that I've been able to come out the other side of it. Amazing. Well, one final bit because I know we're, we're we can talk all day <laughs> and I know we have to keep this kind of tight enough. One final angle just to talk about. Uh, can I go with two? Yeah, I've got one too. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, one is like how, like now you're very esoteric. You can, t- you, you know, cacao, you're into yoga, you're into all these lovely, yeah. as you call these lovely things. Yeah. Like how have, is it true learning to embrace more of your, the, the, the shadow and your darker you? sides that it's given you these tools with which to kind of find natural highs or to light yourself up like a Christmas tree is that because like yoga was something that I I think I heard you talk about that when you first did it was like oh my god this is so hard what are they at what are they like (laughs) and then you discovered yin yoga I believe and this was what kind of got you interested in yes and it's only now in hindsight I understand what was happening to me when I went to do the yoga teacher training uh, I absolutely hated it and I thought to myself you cannot afford this you're either wasting all your money, like you have to finish it. You absolutely hate it. And I didn't understand that Yang, Ashtanga, like hard flow classes, it brings up so much, all the hip work, it brings up the fire. The, the Yang is the fire. And you have to understand that I was coming in, in a world of trauma and a world of pain. And it was too much for me. And I couldn't, I didn't know what was happening in the class to me. I was just angry from the minute I walked in till the minute I left. I hated every bit of it. And the teacher used to just, oh, I'm not going to walk by Jen today. I can sense the anger off her and make a laugh out of it. And I'd be like, I hate this. 
And it wasn't that I hated yoga. I just didn't understand what was happening to me. It wasn't very, like now there's all this stuff about being trauma informed. So now I would understand. But when I I found a yin class by accident, I was that naive. I went to a teacher training course. I never did a yoga class. I'd never been to a yoga class. And, and like, Just how, do you, how, how do you like, you know the way, because most of us, <laughs> most of us kind of like, were you just following your gut or did you just well, see kinda, I've been walking did, did life keep saying like you know the way you, yeah. you get these signs like I, years I, I can of, think of myself I can think of myself I went we went traveling at 21 and I remember we'd come up playing loads of rugby and I remember going yoga's for arseholes I'm yeah, not into yeah, yoga yeah, yeah. it's for girls I play rugby I lifted weights I'm not into it this is 20 years ago and yeah. I remember I was so resistant to it I didn't want to do it and it like it just kept showing up in my life and it wasn't until like for me at that stage at 21 there was a really pretty girl showed up and said do you do yoga and I said, I'd love to do yoga <laughs> yeah. and then that was the start of it and then I've yeah. been doing it for 20 years but I was so resistant to doing it so I I was walking frontline in mental health in the homeless services in Dublin's inner city and I'd been there nearly six years and I was completely burnt out like I was dealing with all my own shit and then I was like in charge of like a 65, 69 bed uh, frontline hostel with like people were dying, like uh, very complex needs, like the worst experiences that people were having. They were having them in front of me. Um, even there was like sex. And this is in Dublin. This is in Dublin city centre, yeah. And like there were sex offenders and all that stuff. And it's just a difficult, difficult as a young girl. A single parent with a daughter, it's a very tough environment to be in. And, uh, you know, you're dealing with people who have really, really complex mental health needs and they're not on any medication. Like I used to have to, uh, um, I used to have to bribe them with chocolate and all of they just take their medication from me when I'd be on, I'd be on a uh, shift. I'd be like, please just take your medication today. And it, it, you get burned out. And I knew because of what I was doing with the 12 step and my prayer and meditation, I knew I had to find something spiritual to put back into me because my mind wasn't good. I was, I was, I was dipping again. And for two years, I kept getting this thought of uh, yoga and I kept Googling yoga teacher training because that's the way my brain is. If I want to know something, I need, to, I need to know everything about it. So I'd, I'd rather go and do a teacher training course and then... And my friend said to me one day, I'm absolutely sick of you talking about yoga. Will you just go and do it? So I had been Googling for months and all the training always seemed to be next year, next year. And then one day I just Googled yoga training in Dublin. The same thing I'd been Googling for months. And it was one starting in two weeks, October, two weeks. And I was like, that's a sign. That's a sign. So on, on I went onto the course, hated it. <laughs> and then I, you have to build up your, your classes and your hours. So I went off to a studio. I didn't even know like yoga teachers or studios in Dublin. I didn't even know there was different styles of yoga. That's how naive I was. So I went into this class, never heard of yin yoga in my life. Didn't even know that what it was. And within the first five minutes of the class, I was sobbing. I had just had the most beautiful heart open experience of my life and intuitively I knew this is where you're meant to be this is why you're on a yoga teacher training course because I kept saying why am I on this course I don't know how I'm at ending up here and I knew intuitively this is where you're meant to be this way this way this way God is putting you now and then after the class I said to myself see it was the first time I had experienced stillness that's what I needed 
because the healing is what does Dr. Gabor Mate always say? The healing is in the stillness. And I had spent my life running, running from myself, running from the law, running from pain, running from bills, running from everything. And this was the first time in a class where you didn't have to run, you just had to be. And I said, if this is had to happening to me, who else needs this? And who else doesn't know about this? Most like, people. Nobody doesn't know about this. And I was like, oh, I'm going to tell everybody. I'm going to tell <laughs> everyone. I'm, I'm going to tell the world about yin yoga. And I'm going to make sure everybody does yin yoga. And that's been my mission for the last few years. And now everybody's doing it. It's everywhere. Like everybody well, you needs- do it on the beach and you do it. Well, that was the, do you know what? One of the things that I'm probably so proud of in the last few years is that uh, there was never a full moon uh, beach event. I was the first one. I started it off because the I girls saw some were, of your videos. It the girls fabulous. were doing the uh, Port Marnock sunrise. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Great I tried, gang doing I it tried it once and Jesus Christ, I'm not a sunrise person. I feel drunk at 10 o'clock in the day. I don't know what's going on. So, and the yin uh, is, the Chinese word for moon is yin. And yin is sunset, yin is nighttime energy. So I knew this is my energy. And then I was like, for months I was saying, I'd love to do something on the beach with the moon. And then I got the courage up to do it. And the first full moon event, there was about 250 people turned up and I nearly died. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? It was amazing, amazing, amazing. And it's just grown. And now everybody's doing it. It's everywhere. And I have to keep, every few months, I have to keep moving beaches because it gets too big. So I started on Port Marnock and then I left Port Marnock. Then I went to Kleine and then, then I left Kleine and now I'm on Borough Beach. Where's Borough Beach? You want to see the sunsets. See, I'm, that's what I do be. I do be chasing the sunsets around the beaches. It is just breathtaking over there. It's beautiful. Jeez. Yeah. Like it's Damn, fab. you're amazing. <laughs> I'm like a one-man band and I go around. Well, well, well it, just the story, you know, it, your journey's incredible. And now I guess yin, you're doing yin yoga. You're doing coaching. My website is just ready. Yeah. And hopefully in the next week or two, I will be launching my coaching with neuroscience, which I'm really excited about. Because I was a key worker for all the, all for years. I've always worked one-to-one. And I always what, get, what's a key worker now? So your key worker is when you're, like what that lad did in the addiction services yeah, with me. Yeah. A key worker, like when I was in the homeless services, every every service user gets a key worker. It's you're the one-to-one kind of point of contact. In Almost here. like a counsellor, like yeah, a mental health yeah, counsellor. Yeah, 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 yeah guide nearly yeah so i don't feel like i'm a life coach i don't know i have a bit of a thing with that word maybe maybe gotcha. i'm like a, i think think a lot of people can understand what you mean about it yeah i don't mean to offend anyone please don't attack me over it but i feel like i'm more like a like a mentor or a guide yeah do you know what i mean like i i can only show you where i've been and i can guide you through help people be <laughs> honest with themselves and face yeah. their own well there's story. one there's one thing that like everybody knows when they come to my class like I will get into the trenches with you. Like I will sit in that fire with you. There's no problem, but I'm not doing the work for you. You will do the work yourself. <laughs> and if you need me, like if, if you, if you're, if, if you're, if you're stuck and, and you're on the floor, I'll get on the floor with you. Like there's, there's no problem. And, but you will, you will pick yourself up and you will stand up and you will look back and be like, yeah, I did that. I don't, I don't want any of the praise. I don't take any of it. I don't want anyone to put me on pedestals because it's not, it's not my place. It's, 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 it's not the way I am. 
What a beautiful place. I think let's end it there. That's absolutely beautiful. Sorry. You're terrible. <laughs> You're wonderful. You're amazing. <laughs> that was wonderful. I find Jen remarkable, inspiring, kind of blows the lid off. And, and Human really, potential in so many ways. I think really reminded me of the importance of looking at yourself in the own mirror and taking a rain check all the time. Certainly in myself, I realized, geez, well, maybe I need to sit and do some reflection and, you know, crack myself open a little more and see if there's any deeper truths which I want to face because I guess each one of us has our own little journey and she reminded me of just the importance of being honest with yourself and owning all yourself taking complete responsibility and within that you can reach greater depths of emotional awareness and greater depths of vulnerability and therefore you know greater levels of awareness and kindness and love and all those various things so I hope you really got something from this if you enjoyed this please tag us on social media on Instagram if you share it to your stories we'll reshare it I think Jen's an incredible role model and would definitely love to get her story out to help empower more people out there. Yeah, so uh, wishing you a wonderful week. Thanks for listening. We've got a whole range of other podcasts and um, episodes, so do check them out. And uh, wishing you a wonderful day. Lots of love. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.